WGNS Murfreesboro, W270AF Murfreesboro, W263AI Murfreesboro, Smyrna. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Scott Walker. Time right now, 813. Good morning to you from WGNS. This morning, we're going to talk a little history, and our guest today is local author Randy O'Brien. Randy, good morning to you. Well, good morning to you too, Scott. Well, how's everything in uh, your neck of the woods? Uh, I don't know what well, area exactly you're in of Rutherford County or, you know, the outlying areas, but are you seeing a lot of uh, <laughs> icy roads out there? We are seeing icy roads uh, pretty much everywhere. You know, the main roads are in good shape, so that's not really a problem. But getting to those main roads uh, through the subdivisions, we've got a couple of hills in our neighborhood, so it's kind of hard to uh, turn to navigate those uh, with the uh, ice and uh, snow from the weekend so uh, we're just talking on the phone today now again uh, randy o'brien our guest today a lot of folks will recognize your name you were with mtsu for years tell us a little bit about your background well you know even before that i was just talking to uh, bart uh, uh, about the fact that it's been 40 years since the last time i was on wgns i actually worked there from i want to say like 77 to maybe 1980 and uh, I was uh, news director there for quite a while, obviously those three years. And then I went to uh, WMOT at, at MTSU uh, and stayed there until I took an early retirement at 2010. And then since then, I've uh, written books and uh, also worked some in radio, worked some uh, other places and, and doing different things that retired people do. So I'm very happily retired, but also very happy about the fact that this book is finally out. Again, Randy O'Brien, our guest today, local author, and uh, been a part of Murfreesboro for years and years, as you were saying, with MTSU and everything. But Mm -hmm. moving a little bit further back into history, uh, quite a bit further back, in fact, to the (laughs) 1800s, (laughs) the Gettysburg and Civil War and and women in the Civil War. I want to hear more about this book called Gettysburg by Morning, and, and what all is it about? Well, here's the, th- here's the interesting thing about this, is that I was reading an article on the Internet, and it was about the fact that there are over 200 documented cases of women who dressed as men so that they could fight in the Civil War. At that time, of course, the only job that you could have involving uh, the nurse uh, involving the war would be to be a nurse or a bandage roller or someone that, uh, you know, uh, tailored uh, uniforms, that sort of thing. Women weren't allowed to fight, but I created a character that took on the role of a fighting man on the ground. And uh, I just uh, uh, thought that would be a fascinating story to tell. I did some research. I found that this is the first novel that explores that phenomenon from the battlefield uh, perspective of a of a grunt ground level soldier and the confusion and the anxiety and the terror of being a person uh, that is in the middle of a battle and she's at Gettysburg uh, and other battles uh, so uh, I, I thought that would be an interesting dramatic uh, framework to explore what her feelings were like and what her uh, situation was and what it would be like to be a soldier in the Civil War. 
You know, I think a lot of listeners would agree that history is fascinating, and the Civil War history, that era, is sometimes even more fascinating, and it's it's wild to look back at that time period and, and to try to imagine, you know, somebody's mother, sister, whatever the case may be, dressing as a man so that they could fight for their for their area and they could actually be a part of the Civil War. Um, what kind of studies have you done on this in order to get this point of view in this book, Gettysburg by Morning? Well, the good news is that there's plenty of documented cases involving this, but there's also a lot of diaries, a lot of journals that people have published. And uh, after the fact, there's lots of documentaries. Uh, also, uh, there's quite a bit of uh, other dramatic tellings of these uh, battles. Uh, obviously, there's uh, uh, the Lincoln uh, with uh, Steven Spielberg from several years ago. Uh, we've got uh, just a number of different kinds of uh, stories, but this is the first time the story has been told from this point of view. Now, the the dramatic setup is that we have a very patriotic young woman. I think she's a late teens. She makes a speech and at the Fourth of July celebration uh, in Concord, and uh, that speech is then recorded by a reporter and published in the newspaper. Now, her brother, who is of age uh, to serve, decides to sign up. But after their father dies and they have no other parents and they're orphaned, he decides that he's not going to fight in the war after all, which would bring shame and, 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 and much derision in the neighborhood. Uh, so she just decides to take his place. So in a real sense, this is not only the story of brother against brother, which was very well documented in a lot of Civil War stories, this is a brother against a sister. And this is, like I said, the first time that this has ever been explored in fiction. Now, the really cool thing about doing a book in regards to the Civil War is that we live in an area in, in an area where Civil War took place. I mean, a very prominent Civil War took place. So there is a lot of history here that is tied to that Civil War. And, uh, you, you know, that's got to be an interesting source to turn to. Very much so. There are plenty of battlefields. Obviously, there in Murfreesboro, we have a battlefield. Uh, we have uh, the, the recognition of Fort Rosecrans. And I'm not going to give away the ending, but I will say that one of the major showdowns between the characters happens at Fort Rosecrans there in Murfreesboro. So this is not only a story of all of the Civil War and all of the uh, locations like Gettysburg and all these other places. Vicksburg is in there also. Uh, they're also very well represented, but Murfreesboro takes a very prominent place in the story, in the t telling of this story. Now, let's let's go back to that Civil War era of when women, mainly women, would, I, I guess, sign or volunteer to help the brigades to be nurses, and, and you were talking sure. a little bit about that, but um, what other women out there did you discover while doing research that decided to join in order to protect their land, protect their home, their family, and all of that, uh, versus just signing up to be a nurse. Right. Well, there are a couple of novels. Uh, there's one novel where a woman dressed as a man to be a spy, 
And, of course, uh, she was not a soldier in the strictest sense of, of marching and shooting and that sort of thing. Uh, and then uh, there was another story of, that I, I read about where there was a woman who dressed as a man so that she could stand alongside her husband, which, of course, is a, a great love story and a romance. But this is, as I said, the first time that we've had a character uh, like this uh, that is exploring the war from the ground level. Now, she uh, and her family owned a telegraph office there in Concord. And, of course, at that time, it was a very valuable skill to be a telegraph operator. And so because of her uh, talent with that, she becomes uh, a, a kind of a, a key figure in the communication of uh, war information. And she eventually finds her way in the war room uh, at the White House working with Abraham Lincoln. So Abraham Lincoln is also a character. There are other uh, major talents, uh, major uh, figures in the war that are also going to interact with uh, Eloise and uh, George uh, Custer, uh, also fought in the Civil War. He is a part of her life, uh, Abraham Lincoln, as I mentioned. Uh, Mrs. Lincoln, uh, Mary Todd Lincoln, of course, uh, is uh, interacting with Eloise. Uh, now, this, is, of course, is fiction. There's no evidence that there was ever anything like this that happened. Uh, in the Civil War uh, involving a woman uh, working in the war room. I made all that up, uh, but I felt like it was plausible that this could happen because at the time, obviously, if you had a great talent of uh, being able to take dictation and use a telegraph key to uh, send information, that's a very valuable talent to have, and I think that uh, uh, she would rise through the ranks very uh, easily. Uh, and uh, so uh, another point uh, of the story, and I think this is also uh, uh, very interesting that I, that I tried to put in there to hopefully tie all this together. The speech that Eloise makes on the 4th of July, as I said, is recorded by a newspaper reporter and then published in the local newspaper. She cuts the article out and saves it, obviously, as, as you would, uh, and saves that clipping. And while she's asleep one night in her post at the war room, Abraham Lincoln sees this little slip of paper in her pocket and just happens to take the, the paper out of her pocket and reads the speech. And in that speech, there are key phrases that he borrows or maybe is inspired by to make the most famous speech in American history, the Gettysburg Address. Now, in this book, Gettysburg by Morning, Eloise, the main character, she's the one who takes her brother's place and goes right. to fight in honor of her family in the country. But how does she go about disguising herself as a man, as opposed to being Eloise, her true self, a woman? Well, uh, I did not picture her as a particularly attractive uh, woman. <laughs> there are pictures of uh, one in particular that I kind of had in mind a woman by the name of Frances Clayton, who is a real person and did dress as a man to fight in the war. And if you take a look at her and look her up on the Internet and find a picture of her, you will see that it wasn't that big of a stretch for her to uh, be able to pull off this disguise. So is there any <laughs> point in the story where, where, you know, other characters recognize her as a woman and, and not a man and they address that? You know, there is, a, there is a scene where she's wounded, and she's taken to a field hospital. And, of course, uh, because of her wound, she has to be disrobed. And the doctor notices, obviously, that uh, she's a woman. 
And he kind of, uh, along with uh, healing her wound, he also kind of takes her under his wing. And so she actually gets to work in a hospital and deal with the wounded characters, uh, the wounded soldiers uh, as characters, and interacts with some of the southern characters that have been wounded that are in the field hospital. So she gets a perspective uh, that few other soldiers would get because of her experiences, but also because she's open to these experiences. Now, again, the character in the book, uh, Gettysburg by Morning, is Eloise, who goes to war as a man. Uh, About how old was she whenever she decided to go into war, into the Civil War? I always saw her as kind of a a late teenager, a late teens. You know how uh, young uh, teen women can be very fiery, uh, can be very opinionated, uh, strong uh, in their opinions and expressing those opinions. Uh, I, I, uh, I have a, a daughter who, at the time I was writing this, was just uh, coming out of the teenage years, and uh, this, this is not based on her in any sense of the word, but the, the notion of some of her uh, strong feelings uh, certainly probably inspired Eloise's portrayal uh, in the novel. And I love my daughter, and I love Eloise, and I think it kind of worked out great. Uh, but I do, I do feel like this is, again, a one-off that's uh, never been done before, and this is a story that I feel is uh, not only uh, inspiring, but also is a great read. I've had a lot of people tell me what a great read it is. And the interesting thing about this, the, the main character, again, Eloise, she becomes part of the history, or history and making, of the Civil War, Gettysburg Address even, uh, which is fascinating because, you know, it does seem like she kind of had a political role throughout history uh, in this book. Well, she was, she was a patriot. Uh, the thing that really uh, inspired me to keep going and to finish the, the book was the fact that uh, this was a young woman who wanted to fight, felt very strongly about uh, the attack on Fort Sumter and uh, wanted to be involved in the war, but wasn't going to be given that opportunity because that didn't happen for women at that time. Uh, They only had uh, a few options, as we mentioned before, and they were not allowed to do any kind of uh, support for the war other than rolling bandages and making uniforms and and, uh, cooking. I guess you could cook and then you could be a nurse, Uh, but those were the only options, and if she wanted to pick up a rifle, she had to dress as a man. Now, going back to the Civil War era, you know, history shows that there were thousands of women involved in the different war efforts, mainly focusing on nursing, taking care of the wounded, and taking care of those who couldn't feed themselves because of war injuries. Uh, But again, there were a handful of women who actually did fight in the Civil War. Uh, I believe anywhere from 200 to 400 is what we can learn if we, I don't know, Google search it or, or, you know, try to investigate it on our own. Um, But did this character in the book ever run across other women and and make friendships while she was fighting? You know, that she did not in this particular book. But uh, there is an interesting character. Uh, Of course, uh, uh, black soldiers were not allowed to fight in the first part of the war. And I do introduce a black soldier who was a musician and very much wanted to fight for uh, his freedom and for the the, uh, the North. And so I did car- uh, create a character that uh, uh, felt very strongly and was just as patriotic as Eloise. But again, because of the circumstances of society at that time, 
he was not allowed to have a gun until uh, later in the war where there were uh, African-American uh, troops and also uh, several companies that were uh, 100% African-American. You sometimes led by uh, white soldiers, white, white uh, uh, captains and white lieutenants and that sort of thing. So I did create a character that wanted to fight but wasn't able to fight because of circumstances very much like Eloise, and they end up uh, being uh, on patrol, uh, fighting next to each other eventually, uh, and they <laughs> have a very uh, unusual relationship because they're very friendly with each other, but of course, uh, the young musician... Uh, who has dealt with gay people in the past. And, you know, he's in show business, so he knows what that's like. But he's never had those feelings for himself, and he has those feelings toward Edward, who is uh, his friend, but uh, is in, our, in reality uh, is Eloise. And so it's, it's rather confusing because he's like, I really like Edward, but I don't understand why I like Edward. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there are a lot of interesting ties that you could stretch for in this story when you compare it to today's military and military over the past 30, 20, 30 years or so, sure. uh, when it involves women being right there at the forefront of battle, right there in the middle of it. Um, so that's that's fascinating as well. And then when you look back in history at different wars that took place in America, World War One and Two, you saw huge companies transform whatever they were making into making new products that were specifically for the military and the war effort. Sure. Did you come across anything like that within the Civil War, within your studies before writing or during the writing of Gettysburg by Morning? You know, the thing is, the, uh, the thing is, um, I was very concerned about focusing on the fighting aspect of this and, uh, I only uh, very uh, tangentially connected to any of the societal problems that were going on as far as uh, supply. Of course, she has a situation where uh, she's a guard at, at one of the supply depots. Uh, there's a situation where um, uh, her brother is involved in that sort of thing also, uh, eventually later in the book. Uh, and so uh, uh, one of the things that I did find that, I was, that was really interesting at Gettysburg uh, I created this shop uh, where they sh uh, sewed clothing and, and were able to take orders and that sort of thing. And uh, she goes in trying to find shoes because boots and shoes were very hard to find at that time. And so when uh, uh, she goes into this shop, of course, one of the first things she asks, and she has interactions with this uh, gentleman who is the, the uh, shop owner, and he, of course, is uh, able to uh, uh, talk with her kind of suspicious, I think. I think there's some question in his mind. But that at that point, the desperation by both armies, the, the, the southern and the northern armies, uh, for supplies and for support and for soldiers, they were pretty desperate shape. So uh, I think that uh, uh, they, were, they were all ready to pitch in and do what they could. Uh, but uh, you're absolutely right. The, the creation of material and uh, uh, the the creation of uh, army uh, uniforms and, and food and also 
there's a scene where there's there's a there's talk about how uh, the soldiers are so hungry that they kind of strip a, a field of corn. Uh, uh, everybody eats the corn as much as they can, of course. Uh, and there's a scene involving that because, of course, when you're walking uh, from one battle to the other one, from one assignment to the next, uh, you don't actually have a lot of opportunity to uh, to pick up supplies. And so uh, that's another thing uh, that happened is, uh, you know, the, your, your, your army is walking through a neighborhood and a community, and, uh, hey, it's great, uh, we've got the, the, the union is here. Uh, and then it's like, uh, well, the union needs food, and it's like, well, we need food too, <laughs> you know? So, uh, so people have to be supportive as much as possible, but, uh, but the problem is, uh, of course, that uh, – uh, the, the folks that are on the land and growing uh, the food, uh, they have to have food, but they also want to be supported. So there's, there's a real uh, tug of war between those uh, wishes to be supported, but also to survive. Again this morning, our guest is Randy O'Brien, author of Gettysburg by Morning. And we're going to take a short break right now, but when we come back, we'll talk more about this character in the book, Eloise, who is the main character and I would like to, you know, again, go back to that whole thing of where she really was making a big political statement. And you can tie that to African-Americans and their freedom as well. So there was a lot of political, I guess, underlying tone in this in a lot of ways, which is very fascinating to take a look back at history and politics. So let's get to that when we come back. Again, Randy O'Brien is our guest this morning. We're taking a short break. But again, we will be right back. By growing up in the restaurant business and being always around it, it was just something that was just second nature to me. I didn't realize the amount of work that was involved in it. I I didn't understand and appreciate all that my parents sacrificed in order to provide for us. And now I'm very thankful and and I'm very appreciative of the foundation that they laid for me so we could teach others to create what they have done to make it more of a legacy than just a passing of the torch. This is Peter Demas inviting you to enjoy a meal with our family at Demas' Restaurant. For this afternoon, we'll see mostly cloudy conditions across the area, high temperatures staying in the mid-30s, and cloudy again tonight, lows around 19. I'm meteorologist Nick Carlisle on News Radio WGNS. Right now it's 30. Hi, this is Dan with Music World and Drummer's Den. I'm the guitar tech here. We're a pretty well-rounded music store. We have every guitar, keyboard, drum that you might be looking for. Parts are available, strings, accessories. We also have lessons, $25 for a half hour of keys, anything with strings and drums. It's all here. Music World and Drummer's Den. We're your hometown music store. Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church, right across from Indian Hills Golf Course. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner, and we salute our veterans. Folks, I hope you listen in every Sunday night at 8 o'clock to the Edwin Lee Raymer Show. We'll talk about some local politics, national politics, all types of topics, all types of guests. That's 8 o'clock Sunday night, Edwin Lee Raymer Show. Talk to you then. We're talking with Glenn King, a World War II veteran. I dropped out of high school and joined the Marines. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. 
And when I came back to the States, I was stationed in the Marine Barracks in Washington, D.C. We were assigned to the White House, and we did a lot of traveling with President Truman. Did you have interactions with President Truman back then? Yes. When President Roosevelt was president, he found out that there was a CCC camp 80 miles west of Washington. You said the CCC. What is that? Civilian Conservation Corps. And it was on top of a mountain in Thurmont, Maryland. He commandeered the CCC camp for his rest camp, and Roosevelt named it Shangri-La, President Truman. had the presidential party up there. We all would eat our three meals a day in the CCC mess hall. In the mess hall down the middle was a great big curtain. President's party was on one side, and the Marine detachment was on the other side. And every once in a while, President Truman would come and swing that curtain back, sit down and talk to us. And what he would say is, son, what state are you from? When they mentioned the state, oh, I know your senator real well, real well. When President Truman took the reins, he renamed what Roosevelt called Camp Shangri-La. The new name was Camp David. This has been a salute to veterans. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and better. If you're not waking up to the wake up crew, here's what you've been missing. Time for Brian to come into your homes. <laughs> Run! Don't miss the wake up crew with John, Brian, and Dalton. Weekday mornings from 6 until Swap and Shop. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. News time right now, 8.37. You're tuned to WGNS on this Monday morning. Today, the 17th of January, and our guest this morning is author Randy O'Brien and the book again that he wrote, Gettysburg by Morning. So, Randy, I guess, give the audience a, a brief, uh, I guess, recap on uh, what the book is about. I know we mentioned it right when we came sure. on, but tell us again what this book is about. Well, there are 200 documented cases of women who dressed as men to fight in the Civil War. And this is the first novel that explores that particular phenomenon all the way from the battlefield involving uh, George Custer, Oliver Wendell Holmes, all the way to the White House, where the main character, Eloise Edwards, works in the war room with Abraham Lincoln. Uh, this, of course, is a book published by Addison and Highsmith, which is an imprint of history of books, uh, and uh, it is available. I'm not sure if you like a commercial or not, but uh, this is a commercial station. Uh, it's available Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble. Uh, you can check out my website, randyobrienwriter.com, and there's all kinds of other information about how to order the book. Currently in hardcover, will be in uh, softcover, uh, paperbacks uh, probably sometime in the next three or four months, and also audiobooks coming in the future. Now, before the break, I, I mentioned there is a political undertone to the book, if you would, that really, I don't know, highlights, of course, women, uh, their battle to move forward in life, and, of course, it all takes place on the actual battlefield during Civil War times. So kind of highlight for us and the listeners out there a little bit more about this political undertone and what all this meant and how Eloise, you know, represented a, a much broader picture than probably what she would have realized. Well, she was very much against slavery, and this speech that she wrote 
uh, very clearly lays out exactly how, what her feelings are about slavery and how she felt like that has to be eliminated uh, no matter what. So the politics of the book is uh, in line with the Constitution and with uh, the the fact that uh, all men are created equal, just as it's mentioned in the Constitution, also mentioned uh, in the speech that she makes. Uh, but uh, uh, I don't have any particular uh, point of view as far as politics goes for Eloise, because she's just uh, doing what she feels is right, but also doing what she feels uh, follows the, the, the letter of the Constitution. And I feel that uh, this speaks to a lot of people. I do feel like this is an important book in the sense that today uh, we are, are straining uh, involving our politics and involving uh, what we feel is in the Constitution and, and what our freedoms are. And so uh, I feel like this speaks to the modern audience, even though it's about someone who uh, was functioning uh, back in the 1800s. So what, what you know, I, I know earlier you said one of the sparks that made you want to write this was watching something on TV, but what else made you want to write this? Well, I, I felt like this was a story that hadn't been told. I've, over the years, uh, while I was the news director at WMOT and also the news director there at WGNS many, many years ago, uh, I always wrote uh, stories on the side. I always wrote scripts for movies and TV shows that haven't been produced, obviously, but I, I do still write for en uh, enjoyment. And it was just something that I've always done to kind of express myself. And I was looking, always looking for a new story. And this is something that kind of popped up on a, an article on the Internet. And I did some research about it, and I thought, like, this, is, this could be really interesting, and I think that uh, there's real uh, opportunity for real drama. I'm not interested in the politics uh, per se. Obviously, it's over 100 years ago, so not, not much we can do about that. But I was interested in the drama of what it would be like to be an 18-year-old woman standing in line at the end of a, a battlement uh, at, at Gettysburg, and the, and the Southern soldiers are coming toward you. I just felt like the, the opportunity for drama and for something really interesting uh, could happen if we put a character in that situation. That's why I did it. You know, this is one of those books that I could see becoming a movie or a series. I mean, it's really fascinating, and, and it sounds like it covers so many big points in history. Oh, yeah. So it would be a fascinating series. I, I would I would love for that to happen. I think that would be great. I think it would be a great part for a young woman who is a young actress who wants to make a big splash because I just I can't imagine how you would pull it off. <laughs> I can't imagine uh, what uh, what it would be like to be an actor. How would you get the voice? What would the look be? How would you choose the clothes? Uh, what would your delivery be? I, I have a scene where, uh, Eloise uh, starts smoking her brother's pipe because she knows that's going to make her voice a little raspy and also make it a little a uh, little lower in register. And so there's there's some thought that goes on along with the haircut, along with the fact that uh, she doesn't that they didn't have makeup back then, but she she doesn't have any kind of female uh, accoutrement that uh, we have today. Uh, and so I just felt like this would be a great opportunity for a young woman, a young actress especially to uh, explore a really interesting story. And again, our guest this morning, Randy O'Brien, his new book, Gettysburg by Morning. Randy, have you written other books, or is this your first one? Uh, I published an, another novel with an independent publisher in 2007, uh, which is out of print now. And the good news is, is that Ad Addison and Highsmith has already purchased uh, another book uh, from me, 
uh, called The Farm, which is based in Murfreesboro. It'll be published next year. Uh, and it's also about the post-war uh, era. This is uh, World War II. And uh, so I have a young woman on a farm who is a wannabe actress who is studying at uh, a local high school. Uh, she has an English teacher slash drama teacher that inspires her to want to be an actress. But uh, as you know, in the, in the uh, World War II, there were hundreds of uh, German POW camps where the German soldiers were shipped to America to be, uh, to be uh, uh, guarded and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and there was one in Tullahoma called uh, Fort Forrest. And so we, I have an escaped prisoner from Fort Forrest come to the farm where the wannabe actress is, and uh, they have a horrible situation. And so she becomes uh, impregnated, and so she has to decide whether she's going to become a mother or she's going to continue to pursue her acting uh, uh, ambitions. And so that's the conflict that that character has, and that's coming out next year. Again, our guest today, Randy O'Brien, new book, Gettysburg by Morning, main character in it, once more, Eloise, who goes in place of her brother to fight for the honor of her family and the country. Do we find out more about her brother as we read Gettysburg by Morning? Her brother has a really tough time, uh, and uh, again, I wanted to give the reader a 360-degree view of what the war was like. So there's a jumble in the timeline in the sense that I have battles that are out of place as far as the timeline uh, of the normal history of the Civil War. I have uh, Reconstruction happens, and then there's some other stuff that goes on. And her brother is involved in Reconstruction and, uh, as I said, has a, has a pretty rough time of it. Uh, and uh, so I don't want to give away the ending, but I will say that uh, there is a dramatic confrontation, as I mentioned, in Murfreesboro. And uh, uh, it's basically a battle of wills, a battle of philosophy. And uh, I think that uh, most people that have read it uh, will tell you that it was very satisfying. And, uh, you know, I love how you tie that Eloise character to the Gettysburg Address as well, which is really neat, uh, which is one of those true points in history. And, you know, I don't know if we really know what thought went into that address, the Gettysburg Address, as far as uh, what influences were around them at the time and what input they had on that speech. So, you know, it's a fascinating point in the book. Abraham Lincoln was a terrific writer. Uh, he knew how to communicate. If you if you read about the actual dedication of the Gettysburg uh, Cemetery, you'll realize that there was a governor there that gave like a two-and-a-half-hour speech, and everybody is kind of uh, groggy having to stand there and listen to this guy for like two-and-a-half hours. Abraham Lincoln was sick uh, at the time also. He, he had been exposed to smallpox. Uh, and he was dealing with that. His body man, one of his guards, actually died from smallpox uh, in that particular time period. And so uh, he was not feeling well. In fact, there was some question as to whether he would survive or not. But he goes to Gettysburg. He makes the speech. And uh, it's very short. Uh, it kind of catches people off guard because it's so short after listening to this governor for two and a half hours. And he takes that slip of paper where he has written the words of the Gettysburg Address, and he hands them to Eloise and says, get this to the newspapers uh, as quickly as possible. And she takes that and goes to the local telegraph office, and she's the first person to actually uh, see the Gettysburg Address 
printed, and she's also the first person to actually transmit the Gettysburg Address to the world. Again, Randy O'Brien on air with us this morning. Where, once more, can we find this book? It's available uh, in hardcover now uh, at Amazon. Just order it there. It's at Barnes & Noble. Uh, Any of the online uh, uh, booksellers, uh, History, H-I-S-T-R-I-A, is the main company uh, that uh, has this particular imprint. Uh, They have a website where you can order the book there. Uh, and uh, it's it's uh, it's pretty much anywhere. As I said, uh, it's in hardcover now, and hopefully we'll have it in library soon, uh, and folks will be able to check it out and and, uh, and read it there. Uh, but I do appreciate uh, Addison and Highsmith. Uh, they were the ones that are taking a big chance on this, and history is taking a big chance on this. And they feel like it's a valuable book and that it's something that needs to be read by folks. And and that is something that every author wants to hear from their editor and from their publisher. Uh, Definitely so. Again, Randy O'Brien, local author. And again, the book Gettysburg by Morning. And Randy, we'll post the podcast of this along with a link to the Amazon page that has the book available. uh, Just so folks out there listening can take a look at it. Uh, But we appreciate you joining us this morning. Well, thank you so much for the talk, and I, I really appreciate your interest in this. I know that uh, you guys are doing a great job there, and I and I pine from for WGNS from time to time <laughs> when I really when I think back of my career uh, so long ago, and I did have such a great time there and so much fun, uh, and we uh, we had a great crew there, and then uh, but that was you know, 1978, 79. So I don't think most of the guys are probably gone, aren't they? Uh, a lot of them are. A lot of them are, but, you know, you, you still have a lot around. So, you know, and this oh, year yeah. we're celebrating our 75th anniversary this year. Oh, so, uh, you know, hey, if you have any old pictures from the station, definitely send them to us. I will certainly do that. I appreciate the time, and I thank so much for your attention to this. All right. Thanks a lot. Randy O'Brien, our guest this morning, his book, Gettysburg by Morning. And once more, we'll be posting this on our website, WGNSRadio.com, in our podcast section, under the action line. Randy, thanks a lot. You're welcome. Thank you. Time again right now, 8.50. Stay with us. A check on the news, local weather, and traffic all come your way next. Right here on your Good Neighbor Station since 1947.